Welcome to the first Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, we talk to tutor Blessing Binoyu. He shares with us his experiences of studying accounting back in Nigeria and progressing into a teaching qualification both there and here in the UK. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register. There's a link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I'm joined back again this evening by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Evening, Ben. How are you? I'm really, really good. The sun is shining. I've had a fabulous class in Ipswich today, teaching across in our Ipswich Centre. I've been doing one of our Impact Skills Days on digital. So the students have been playing around with Excel to manipulate, sort some data. They've been dabbling with Xero to extract some financial records. And they've been putting it all together in a a really cool PowerPoint presentation, which they've then presented back to me this afternoon. So I've had a a great day so far. How's your day gone? Great. Um, I... I was in London this morning, meeting with some of our, our colleagues down there. Um, I had lunch in London and then hopped on the train and I was in Chelmsford this afternoon, um, where I had to um, replace a projector in the ceiling. So I kind of went from discussing the kind of the future and strategy of first intuition in the morning to something a little bit more hands-on in the afternoon. But the, the most exciting thing that's happened to me this week, Ben, is I, I went to an event in South End yesterday which was presented by the, the people behind the new Sizewell C power station. So I don't know if you, if you know anything about it. I, I do know quite a bit because regular listeners will know we've got a camper van and there is a campsite literally next door. So we've been there a couple of times and camped where you've got access to the beach. Although everybody laughs at us because it literally is in the car park of a, a nuclear power station. But yeah, so Sizewell C is the, is the new reactor that they're going to be building there, um, pending government approval. So it should be approved hopefully in the next one to two years. And then they'll start breaking ground on it as a project. I think it's going to take about 10 to 15 years before it starts generating electricity. Um, but it's, I did had no idea of the scale of the project. Um, it looks absolutely huge. Um, they are currently building the new reactor at Hinkley Point, and they're taking a lot of the things that they've learned there and applying them when they go up to Suffolk for um, to build size with the size we'll see. But um, one of the things that I, I found out yesterday is over the, the length of the construction period, they're going to be employing 1,500 apprentices um, on site, as well as bringing in experienced staff. So there's going to be huge, huge opportunities for, for people kind of getting involved with building that power station. So if, if anyone has kind of got a, a desire to be a nuclear engineer or, or something like that, there are going to be massive opportunities you know, in, in the east of England for that with the, the power station. And as I understand it, there is a kind of a, a, a skeleton roadmap for further nuclear power stations to be built around the coastline of Britain kind of around other parts of Britain it's just a huge amount of investment and there were there were just crazy things that they were talking about because the site's going to be so big and they've got to ship so many people in there um they're actually buying in 150 buses just to transport people to and from the site to make sure they can get the staff on the site in order to build stuff um the interesting thing was that everything that they talked about was all about trying to achieve net zero um, so the buses are all going to be hydrogen buses, 
Um, so they're not the kind of conventional petrol or diesel buses that we're used to, so they're all hydrogen buses. Um, they're, they're really conscious of the carbon footprint that they have, and they're really proud of the fact that nuclear energy is very, very clean in terms of its carbon emissions compared to virtually every other energy source. And they even included things like um, solar and wind power because obviously there's carbon that's expended in producing the equipment, in producing solar panels, in producing wind turbines. And the, the carbon amount of carbon per kilowatt is substantially less for nuclear power than it is for those other even renewable sources, which I, I just found amazing. So I just thought the zero carbon footprint for a wind farm. But, you know, when you look at it, there must be because you've got to actually produce the stuff to capture the energy from the wind. So really, really amazing, really fascinating. Um, and, you know, I'm sure at some point they're going to need some accountants up there as well. So, um, you know, there may well be some listeners here that are going through their, so their AAT exams right near, right now that maybe in three, four years time could be, you know, working as a cost accountant in, in a nuclear power station, which for me would be really exciting because I love cool science and stuff like that. Doesn't it sound like a, a SEMA case study or an SBL scenario in the making? <laughs> I can I can see an examiner somewhere picking up on all of this stuff. There's lots of of modern stuff in there with regards to carbon neutrality and carbon footprint, the sustainability piece involved. There's quite a lot of health and safety risk, I would imagine, with that many people on site and particularly what they're doing. There's finance involved. Sounds like a really good case study scenario. Let, let's Absolutely. see if someone... I mean, in the presentation that I saw, they talked about where they were going to get the finance from. So 20% of the finance has already been committed from, I think, EDF, so the big, I think, French energy company. But the rest of the finance they're going to be raising, I believe, are, I think, on the debt markets. Um, and uh, there's a lot of interest from pension funds because pension funds like the idea of making that investment and have a really steady cash flow happening over the next 20, 30 years. They talked about the cash flow of a power station. So a little bit like an MPV, I was thinking in my mind, massive expenditure for 10 years. Then you've got you know, very, very cheap electricity that's going to be produced for 30, 40 years after that. So you've got massive positive cash flows happening year after year after year after year. So that nice annuity that we'd always talk about when we, when we discount cash flows. And then there's massive decommissioning costs that happen kind of 40, 50 years in the future. So I, I, I just thought, yeah really really from my point of view it ticked all my boxes of the stuff that i nerd out about so cool science loads of stuff about finance accountancy and loads of stuff about skills and jobs and the local economy fabulous lots of stakeholder engagement as well because presumably there's people like me that are going to be fearful what's my next camping trip going to look like when all of these thousands of workers arrive at a site um yeah, the, the opportunities for that in a case study scenario yeah. are endless. And may, may I, imagine the camp, I imagine the campers are the key stakeholders that they're looking for there <laughs> as well, aren't they? <laughs> I would imagine we are quite low power, um, <laughs> even though we are high interest. For those You're saying in Mendlow's Matrix, the campers aren't going to be in that, in that top quadrant. Exactly. But maybe something we can revisit. It would be a really good episode for a future podcast, wouldn't it, to look at some of the, the issues there to kind of track progress and see if we do have anybody in our student base that is actively involved in it, whether you are working for the, the power company directly, mm. I would imagine they're going to be using lots of local suppliers as well. So yeah, they are. that was, the, that was the, the, what the event was really about, was to try and engage with local companies because they want 
local companies to provide services. So they've got their main contractors, but one of the things they've asked their contractors to do is to work with local people and to work with local suppliers and businesses, which is why I was invited as a local business to, to kind of engage with them to see if there's any way that we can work with them. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely, some, definitely something to revisit. And uh, as we, we talked about before, Ben, um, we are putting together a schedule of podcasts that we can record um, in advance to release over the summer holidays. So yeah. we, we maybe could actually do that, couldn't we? Um, look at a nuclear power station and talk about all of the finance issues around it. Sounds like a plan. Maybe we'll put one together and, and break it down. Mm. Um, we are joined this evening by a guest. So I, I feel it's probably about time that we introduce him or allow him to introduce himself formally to us. I'm going to say good evening to Blessing Binyoyo. Blessing, how are you, my friend? Uh, good evening, Ben. Good evening, Dave. And good evening, everyone on the call. Um, Blessing is one of our newer tutors, although he's not new to teaching. He's been teaching for a, a, a few years, but he's new to us at First Intuition. He's joined our, our tutor team at the start of this year in Cambridge. Blessing, what sort of stuff have you been teaching so far since you joined First Intuition? Uh, thank you very much, Ben. Uh, so I, I've been teaching um, courses from AAT, ICAW and the ACCA uh, across financial reporting, tax. Uh, today I taught management accounting. And uh, I've done some, I've taught some courses on business awareness as well. In the past months, I've been with uh, First Intuition. So quite, quite a mixed bag. What's your favorite subject to teach, Blessing? Uh, my favorite is uh, tax, UK tax. Excellent. Dave's smiling away. Dave is also a big, a big tax tutor fan. Um, and I've dabbled in tax as well, but it's something that particularly um, students will appreciate. The tax syllabuses tend to update much more regularly than some of the, the traditional management accounting or even financial yeah. accounting or strategy papers. So you need to be on, on top of your game. Been doing lo lots of prep for the UK tax rules. Yes, um, I'm used to it. Uh, the Finance Act, you know, uh, once it is published, the various uh, examining bodies, the uh, give us updates on what will be examinable and I take my time to go through the changes and get myself updated in line with uh, my the fundamental principle of professional competence and due care to ensure that my students, my clients, my employer receive uh, the most relevant and up-to-date uh, uh, service from, uh, from, uh, from me. So it's it, like you said, it's not a new thing. It's something I'm happy to do. I have a passion for learning and uh, I'm committed to lifelong learning as a principal as well. Fantastic to hear. Dave, What what's your experiences of, of tax syllabuses? It's a sort of one where if you don't teach it for a few years, you're really catching back up. Funny you say that, Ben, because I, I was teaching some tax a couple of weeks ago and it it was the first time that I had taught tax for about two or three years. So I don't think I taught tax this side of the pandemic. So, yeah, we're looking at three years or so since I last, you know, really taught tax in any kind of detail. And it was a huge amount of work just to, to bring myself back up to date. I think if you're, if you're teaching tax on a very regular basis, as I used to, 
every year it's where are the changes in the Finance Act? How does that apply to each syllabus? But when you go two, three, four years between teaching tax and teaching again, picking it up again, you're almost learning a language again because it's those little tweaks and little changes that happen on an annual basis that when you look at them over four years, suddenly, you know, for me, the thing that that, um, I, that, that really got me was um, the there's some slight tweaks that have happened over a few years in, um, in loss relief and how loss relief applies. But when you bring them all together, it completely changes your approach to a loss relief question from what I was used to doing, which was very, very formulaic, that formula changes. And you don't always pick that up just by looking at, oh, this rule's changed a tiny bit, but all those things over time, have, yeah, definitely need to keep them on your toes. Um, we'll probably have quite a few people listening to this that are currently studying or upcoming have got a tax exam coming up. I wonder if at that moment we pause and maybe just both of you could share one top tip for a student listening to this. If they're about to start studying tax or they are preparing for a tax exam, um, blessing first what would be your and it's hard to sum up as one tip I know there's lots of things but if there was one thing you wanted to remind students before they sit a tax exam what would it be uh <laughs> summarizing is into just one thing it's quite difficult but uh rules the rules are quite important so if you don't know the rules you won't be able to apply them so especially for advanced papers, ATX, uh, BPT, uh, you need to know the rules before you can move on to applying them in the exam scenario. So that for me, I would say it's the most important thing. And, and that's something I think sometimes tax exams lull the students into a slightly false sense of security because in most of the tax exams, they do get access to some information, some tax tables, some tax rates, but the examiners are quite shrewd from that perspective, in my experience, that they understand students have got access to that. You still need to know how to apply those rules. It's not just a case of saying I can look it up. Dave, is there anything from you? Um, hard to put you on the spot, but one thing you would advise a tax student. Oh, see, I've got three things, Ben. I've gone then. <laughs> so my, my first thing is if you're doing an exam where you have to calculate tax, so I'm looking at the taxation paper, looking at tax compliance, you're looking at principles of tax, looking at personal tax at AAT, any of those exams that are based around doing a tax calculation. Number one tip, don't forget your allowances. Don't forget your annual allowance. Don't forget your personal allowance. There is always a mark going in the exam for being able to, to write down personal allowance or annual exemption. And so many people forget it. And it's such an easy mark to get. Second tip is when you're revising, and I tell this to every single class, when you're revising any tax, do a question, calculate the tax bill, and then add on to every question, when does this need to be filed in a tax return? When does the payment of tax need to be made? And then what happens if I'm late paying it? It's so easy to neglect all of those admin things that if you add it onto every single question, then when you come into the exam, you're just going to be thinking, oh, I've calculated the corporation tax liability. It's due nine months and one day. You're not even going to be thinking, oh, when's the tax bill due? You just know it's second nature. So it's it's an easy thing to build into your revision is add on to every question. You know, when is the tax due? When's the tax return due? What are the penalties if it happens late? And then my third tip is for the advanced tax papers. It is. And I say this on day one of every advanced tax paper is that 
this is not a paper about tax. This is a, a paper about maximizing wealth of your clients. So in an exam, you're looking to increase your client's wealth. So whatever means your, your client is best off, that's the best course of action for them. Don't always get obsessed with tax saving because it's very easy to save tax, Ben. I, do, do you want, I, I could actually, I've got a brilliant tax saving technique for you, Ben. Okay, you might want to do this because I know you're trying to reduce your tax bill. I can get rid of all of the tax you pay by POIE. I can, I can bring it to zero. Do, would you like that? Wow, it sounds like uh, either an illegal scam or you are a really clever tax accountant, Dave. Go on, okay. hit me with it. All you need to do, Ben, is just quit your job. <laughs> quit your job and don't work, okay? You won't pay any tax. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it? Now, are you going to do it? No. No, okay? So we don't advise our clients to do things just because they save tax. We always advise our clients to do things because they increase the amount of wealth that they have. and sometimes. That might mean that they actually pay a little bit more tax than they're currently paying. But you know, if, if I'm earning an extra two million pounds a year, I don't mind paying a bit more tax, Ben. I'm quite happy because I'm earning two million extra pounds. So I think sometimes we get obsessed with reducing our tax bill, whereas what we should be obsessed with is increasing the wealth of our clients. Fabulous. Thank you both. We will wrap up the conversations on tax at that point. Maybe we'll come back and do a, a special tax edition of the the podcast in a future episode good luck if you sit in tax and quite often in some of the units today they are optional modules i always kind of get students to think long and hard about taking the tax modules i think they are really relevant for people i think they are worth you studying um but back to blessing so you love teaching tax but you've had a broad experience of teaching some stuff for us at first intuition so far but the main reason I wanted you to come on the podcast, me and you have had some really great chats. We've been for a couple of, of cups of coffee and I actually did your original interview when you came for your first test lecture. And I was I was blown away, one, by your personality. You are infectious, my friend. You really do everything with a smile on your face, which we love. But you've also got lots of um, experience to share with us. So you originally come from Nigeria. Uh, Wonder if you'd tell us a bit more about your, your background in Nigeria, how you got into finance, how you yourself studied. Thank you very much. I will try as much as possible to be very brief. Uh, so um, I came from a family of two teachers. Uh, both parents were professional teachers. Uh, uh, so my father, in particular, had a, a set of professions that you should expected you to choose from. So he expected me to be an engineer, actually. And uh, he modeled myself and my elder brother. Uh, my elder brother is a medical doctor, so he wanted me to be an engineer. And I did quite well with sciences. I did fantastically well with sciences. And I even studied sciences up to first degree. But when why growing up? Uh, at age six, thereabouts, that was the first time, age six or age seven, I came across the word chartered accountant. That was the first time. And what happened was that um, in the environment where I lived then, so I lived with a banker. So who dressed smartly to office and, you know, uh, was sort of role model. So I asked my dad, so my dad, 
if I want to be like uncle, uh, so, 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 what do I need to study? So he said, oh, accounting, chartered accountants. And that was the first time I heard all. So that, that impression uh, was made on me. But, you know, just like I said, I went on to do sciences in high school, even up to university. But when I left university, uh, so I wanted a job in the banking. Uh, it didn't happen. So I started teaching in a high school. So it was during that period I told myself, oh, it's better for me to go back to my first love, which happens to be accounting. And um, while in high school, uh, I also met a teacher who made a very big impression on me uh, with respect to, so in Nigeria, so there's a course, there's a subject within Nigerian high school curriculum called business studies. So within that business study, you're taught, uh, so accounting, you're taught commerce, you're taught. So this teacher really made a solid impression. And this morning, I still remember him. Uh, he, he was the first person that broke down double entry for me. And it was, it was something I can't forget. So I went back to my first love. You know, I haven't left accounting so long after high school, went to university to study sciences. It wasn't so easy, I must confess, but because it, but because it was my first love, so to say, I came across someone who is a fellow of a local uh, accounting body in Nigeria. We call that ICANN, Institute of Chartered Accountants of Nigeria. So this fellow served like a mentor to me on the journey. So he encouraged me, he provided me with finance. I, I must say that because uh, that period of my life, you know, it wasn't so rosy. I've just left high school. I haven't got the job I desire. And, you know, I was, I was trying to establish myself. So in fact, my journey to, to doing this, to, to, to studying for ACC was a fortuitous one. So I remember that I wanted to enroll for the local accounting body, ICANN. So in fact, I've got to the office of the person to help me do the enrollment. So someone sitting, I didn't know the person, and I've not met the person ever since, just told me that, oh, why don't you do that? Have I heard about ACCA? I told him, I've not heard about ACCA. He said, oh, ACCA gives the opportunity uh, to go abroad and all of that. And I said, oh, I will try it. So lo and behold, that was the first time I wrote to ACCA here in the UK. So ACCA hasn't got a representative office in Nigeria then. So they sent me the broncho and all of that. So I didn't, so there wasn't, I didn't have the finance then. So I kept it in cool. So, but as God will have it, uh, I met that person who happened to mentor me and he provided the seed fund. And that was when I started. And I wrote the first three, the first two papers and I wrote MA and FA and it was quite, I considered it very easy. And uh, so from there, the writing other papers, were very easy as well. I wouldn't say very easy because, but 
one thing that kept me going uh, was the fact that uh, my father uh, developed a spirit in all of us, his four kids, that uh, uh, Seveb is the best help. So if you find yourself in any difficulty, dig deep and uh, do all what is necessary and you always find a way. So I, I, it was, so passing my ACC exams is a combination of God's providence and act of self-determination. Because at a point, when I concluded my fundamental papers, I needed to start working. And so there was a gap between completing my fundamental papers and writing my professional exams. And back in Nigeria, you don't have sort of employer support that you have here in the UK, except you work in the big four. You don't have employer supporting you to write uh, professional exams like ACC. So I'm also when you tell them that you're writing ACC, they will tell you, oh, you've got the money. So <laughs> you should be able to support yourself because the, there is a big disparity between um, the enrollment fee for ICANN and the enrollment fee for ACC. But obviously ACC is more prestigious even in Nigeria, despite the fact that we've got a local accounting body because once you flash your ACC credentials, even the local accountants will want to hire you because you've got uh, employability skill. So for instance, my first accounting job was right from a teacher in secondary school teaching sciences who has not done anything in accounting to working as a finance officer in the company. And I didn't do badly because ACCA prepared me for. So when I got to start working, it wasn't so different uh, from what I've learned in my exams. So, and um, all, al all along as well, I, so in Nigeria, we have uh, uh, exam, I, we have tuition centers. So because of the fact that I've been teaching in high school and um, I've developed the right teaching skill. So fortuitously again, I met someone who was having difficulty passing ME. ACC ME, and she has written it several times. So I just volunteered that, oh, let me teach you this course. It's one of those uh, easy courses I, I considered easy. So I taught the lady and the lady was impressed. So it was the lady that now told me that, oh, have I heard about a school, Ivy League Associate? That was December, 2014, that they are looking for teachers that I should, I should go there and apply. I was like, today that I've not, I've not done a lot of accounting tutoring and all of that. But lo and behold, I got there. I applied. Uh, they did interview. They considered me uh, good enough for the organization. And another journey of teaching accounting started that particular December 2014. So uh, that's been, and over the years, uh, thank God, back in Nigeria, uh, my team, tax team in the school, we've won, we've provided, we've, 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 we've um, uh, 
produced students who won national prizes in Nigeria, uh, tax, performance management. And I bowed out in the school as head of um, uh, tuition quality. I became a senior lecturer in the school. Uh, that's next to the director in the school and even given responsibility to manage uh, tuition quality in the school as well. So that's been my career. And I work in a couple of, so accounting career, so I worked in a couple of uh, small skilled businesses, accounting practices. So I worked in the industry. So there was a time I worked in the consultancy business where I was the uh, finance officer and later promoted to be the chief accountant of the business. And thereafter, I went on to practice uh, where we provided accounting advisory services majorly uh, together with tax services, but majorly accounting advisory services. That also developed my, uh, my, my interest in IFRS. So I worked on a couple of IFRS projects and uh, from there too, uh, I became, uh, my love for IFRS also increased. And I could say that, just like taxation, I equally love IFRS as well. Brilliant. Well, blessings. That's a really good overview of your um, studies in Nigeria. I've got a couple of questions, if that's okay, before we move on to your transition to the UK. That's fine. But first one is you talked about the choice between doing the the local um, Nigerian qualification versus the ACCA. What do you think roughly the, the split would be? Is ACCA growing in Nigeria? Is it becoming more and more popular? So ACCA is becoming very, very popular. And um, I've lost... Uh, ACCA, ACCA is, 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 is almost on the same pedestal as the local... The only problem with ACCA not growing the way we ACCA members expected it to grow is because, you know, of recent. So Nigeria has not been, Nigeria has been plagued with the poor political leadership. So the exchange rate has affected a lot of students who could have enrolled into ACCA program. But now we have some uh, opportunities. So for those who study in private universities, so there are some private universities in Nigeria that now incorporate ACCA programs into their curriculum. So for those ones, uh, the first nine papers are taken as part of their university degree, just like some schools in the UK, so just like some universities in the UK. So that also has, and also, you know, uh, everybody, is, everybody now understands the importance of having qualifications that are globally mobile, that you could use anywhere. So for that, you know, and Nigeria is a big economy and people leave Nigeria, go abroad almost on daily basis. So it's, 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 a, growing, it's a growing qualification, but I, I wish it will have, it grows better than, uh, uh, the growth rate is better than what it is. But I know that in the future years, uh, it's going to stand shoulder to shoulder uh, with, um, uh, with um, the lookup qualification. And if I may have this, Ben, one of the reasons why ACC is not uh, growing like the local like the local qualification, the ICANN, is the fact that, so in Nigeria, we've got uh, an equivalent of financial reporting council in the UK. 
So that financial reporting council is the one that issues a practicing license to uh, auditors, to those who practice as uh, auditors in Nigeria. So out of politics, I will say politics, I won't say anything else. Uh, that IFR and that uh, FRC does not issue practicing license to ACC members. So if ACC member wants to have a practicing license in Nigeria, it's mandatory to write ICANN exams. So for that reason, many people who don't have uh, the ambition of going abroad, we just tell you, if, if ICANN does everything I need, so why do I need to write ACC? But notwithstanding that, you have a lot of people who have ACC qualification and ICANN qualification. So, but that's a major, and uh, I believe the ACC local office keeps uh, finding a way around that because uh, in terms of quality, ACC is by far better because I thought the local qualification to ACC is by far better, 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 by far, by miles. That's it. Thank you. My next question, and I'm sure a number of students listening will resonate with this. You took the initiative to study yourself. You funded the study yourself. You were having to motivate yourself. My presumption is to start with, you weren't going to any formal colleges. You were studying yourself with with material. What, what sort of material were you accessing to study the syllabuses when you were sitting the exams? Uh, uh, I hope this will not be like, uh, <laughs> so the arrival materials, uh, do I, can I go on to mention them? Of course you can. Uh, okay, so, uh, you know, SCC has to approve the publishers, uh, Kaplan and the BPP, so they are very much available there. So those were the materials that uh, the highly set of SCC members who qualified in Nigeria used. So I use them extensively as well. But uh, for my tax papers, uh, I used uh, in addition to that. And that's why my 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 marks and tax papers were quite different. Uh, I used ACC technical articles. And that's why uh, it's, I don't, when I step into the class, I tell students that if you want to get a very big mark and tax paper, you have to use the technical articles. It's just like the examiner telling you exactly how I'm going to ask this question, and this is the kind of answers I want you to provide. Fabulous. So studying yourself, funding it yourself, how did you, one, motivate yourself to keep going, to study, because it takes a lot of time and energy, as lots of people listening to this will testify, but also, how did you budget for the cost of doing it yourself? Did you have a certain amount of money that you would allocate to studying? Okay, um, it's a mixed bag. So I I had budget for my studies. Uh, at a point, my elder brother uh, helped me, provided part of the funding. Uh, also at a point, my dad also supported me. So my funding came from four sources. When I started, that mentor provided the initial fund. I also contributed a significant sum, but my elder brother and my dad uh, provided me with the needed support. So in terms of self-motivation, you know, 
for a boy who has who has who has determined at the age of six that he wants to be a chartered accountant. I still remember that conversation with my dad, where I when I asked him that, oh, what do I need to do to look like this man who dresses smartly to the office? So for me, it's a lifelong ambition, and I believe it's the crowning of my personal. Uh, it's a it's a pass is is a joy is a journey on personal fulfillment for me. So it's either I become a chartered accountant or I bust. <laughs> so it's either of the two. So it, it wasn't easy. I can't go into some of the details because of time, but I kept myself motivated because I want to see myself as a chartered accountant. I believe that I it's 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 a profession for me, and at the same time. I have a network of a family. Uh, this is a discussion we've had before. So my parents and my siblings were quite very, very supportive. So, and my my wife, my children, you know, very supportive as well. So it's 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 it was a the, that was the those were the key building block of my of my motivation. Fantastic. Bit bit more practical now about the ACCA syllabus, but studying it in Nigeria. Um, my understanding is there are international variants of exams. For a lot of our UK students, they sit the UK variant of the exams. Is there an equivalent Nigerian variant or were you studying international or UK syllabus papers? Okay, thank you, Ben. So for, 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 for papers like um, tax, uh, we don't have a Nigerian variant, uh, and I quite um, understand why we don't have a Nigerian variant because uh, Nigerian tax laws have been dormant for several years until two or three years ago that the former president decided to uh, revise some of them. And we now, like UK, have every year now, we have Finance Act every year. Now, that, that started 2020. Oh, no, 2019. So that's 2019. But prior to that time, we never had any revision to tax law. So the tax, it wasn't challenging practicing as a tax uh, consultant in Nigeria. It was very dominant. So I supported ACC not having Nigerian variants based on that. But I don't think, I don't know whether ACC is planning to have a Nigerian variant for tax. So everybody in Nigeria studied and they are still studying, uh, uh, what do you call it, a UK variant. So for FR uh, and SBR and uh, audit and assurance, so we have international variants. So many Nigerian students studied international variants for those papers. But for law, I did a UK variant as well because you know it's only UK or global. So I did UK as well. So so those are the those are the variants that we have and those are the choices uh, we made as students. Fabulous. And as we're recording this, it is ACCA exam week all around the world. We've got students going to centres in the, the United Kingdom to sit their exams. What was it like booking exams and where did you have to travel to to sit the ACCA exams within Nigeria? OK, so. Uh, compared to when I was writing my exam, uh, up to, so every information I'm giving now is based on what I know about this up to uh, 
when I left Nigeria. So when I was writing my exams, the exams were largely uh, paper and pencil exams. So Lagos was the hall. Lagos being the commercial now center of Nigeria. So Lagos was the hall. So many students who want to write into the exam have to travel down to Lagos. Uh, there are other cities like Ibadan, there are cities like Abuja, those are the other centers, but they are not as populous. So in terms of popularity, they are not as popular as uh, Lagos. So Lagos used to be the hub. But now, I think it has changed. Now that all exams are on computer-based uh, assessment, so uh, something has happened in Nigeria educational curriculum of recent, and that is uh, the fact that there is a very popular exam in Nigeria. We call it universe. We call it unified tertiary matriculation exam. So unlike in the UK, where after high school you write, you go to a level. So in Nigeria, we don't do a level. We do. We just write that exam. It's, an entrance exam for you to go to tertiary. So that exam has now been computerized. So, and many businesses have invested in that. So the same in, uh, IT infrastructure that are being used for that, that, that particular exam also are being used for ACC exams. So because of that, and in terms of number of students who write that exam, uh, you could have as much as seven, eight million students writing that exam every year. So the infrastructure, IT infrastructure with respect to that exam has improved. So ACC is now leveraging on that. So you can write, I think now, you can write ACC in almost all the major uh, cities in Nigeria. But at the same time, Lagos, Ibadan, Abuja, and some cities in the northern part of Nigeria, they still remain the hub of ACC exams. And I suppose that's linked to the opportunities that getting the qualification yes. provides in, in those yes. cities. Yes. So Correct. you took you talked about studying first and then looking for for a job role. What what sort of opportunities are there to work in finance within a city like Lagos? Okay. Um in a city like Lagos, there are millions of opportunities, I must say. Uh but the joy of, or the, the dream of every new accountant or uh, training accountant is to work with the big four. And all the big four, I mean back in Nigeria, and all the big four, their offices, their main offices, their headquarters are situated in Lagos, in the central business district of Lagos, uh, the highbrow part of Lagos. So, but in terms of other roles uh, outside big four, so, You've got the banking industry. Banking industry employ lots of accountants, lots. We've got insurance companies. They employ lots of accountants. Uh, you've got um, um, NGOs are now springing up in Nigeria for different reasons. Uh, so they employ lots of accountants. And uh, you've got small-scale accounting firms, like the ones I worked with, uh, you know, they can't compete with the big four because the big ticket accounting jobs are always with the big four. So, <laughs> but these small scale accounting firms, they are pulling their weights too. And um, some of them now are able to get, because uh, a friend of mine just told me about um, uh, his firm, where he works, a small firm. I just got a very big uh, audit engagement that they wouldn't get in some years past. So, 
So those are the major places. Those are the major uh, uh, openings that uh, training accountants or chartered accountants get. And also, let me not forget the multinationals. So we've got, so you know, Nigeria is an oil producing uh, country. So we've got multinationals. Uh, Shell is there in Nigeria. I have a friend that work with Shell. Uh, we have the, we have Total, we have Panocean, we have a lot of multinationals. So multinationals, and these multinationals, they value uh, qualifications like ACC. Uh, my friends who work, my friend who worked there is a very good friend of mine. Uh, his, his job stability, uh, career progression has been fantastic. In fact, among our network of friends, he stands out. So you got the chance to work in finance. Six-year-old Blessing would be proud because you got the chance to wear the, the fine suits to go to work. But I can hear in your voice, your passion is education. Yes. And so you then went teaching in Nigeria. I wonder if you could just talk about the average class that you would have had when you were teaching for the college in Nigeria. How many students would be coming to college? Were they doing it in college? Were you doing online lessons? How did teaching work in Nigeria? Okay, so teaching in Nigeria has evolved. Uh, evolved in the sense that when I started, it was purely classroom-based teaching. And because of the population of Nigeria and because of the popularity of accounting profession, I can tell you that um, I don't think there's any other profession that attracts talent that attract the number that uh, accounting qualification attracts and that can and that is evidenced by even the number of enrollment of students on bsc accounting in various universities in nigeria it's a very popular uh, profession so the same thing is witnessed in the professional classes so in professional classes when i started uh, it's 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 attracted lots of students and they uh, I can re I can remember I've had a class in which uh, there were like up to seventy something in the class of the three, so the five I think so yeah, so at the peak of it prior to COVID, when uh, schools were largely classroom based teaching, uh, but after COVID the number reduced uh, due to two reasons, uh, the reasons are one economy wasn't that buoyant, so the enrollment went down. And also schools now offered opportunity to do uh, either online or classroom-based teaching. So, you know, the number that will be in the classroom before we're now split into classroom and so the number reduced. So, so that's it. And um, the number has not picked up. I don't think so. The number has not, uh, picked up uh, uh, because Nigerian economy is still flaving uh, currently. We, we are only hoping that the new government would do the right thing. Uh, so that's, so from the villas I have from friends back in Nigeria, the numbers are still not there. Um, it's, still, it's still below what we used to have pre-COVID. Thank you. A really good insight into classes in, in Nigeria. 
but you obviously then looked overseas. You'd done the ACCA qualification originally, one of the attractions being it was globally recognised. What was the what was the catalyst or the motivation for coming to the, the UK blessing? That's a, a big decision for you to make personally. What, yes. What, what went through your mind? Okay. Um, United Kingdom is um, just like becoming an accountant uh, was, I saw that as the peak of my career. Uh, anytime the thought of leaving Nigeria crosses, crossed my mind before coming to the UK, my number one, my favorite destination has always been the United Kingdom. For some reasons, number one, language style. So English language is uh, the lingua franca in Nigeria is the official means of communication. And for, right from primary school, from nursery school, we were taught and spoken to in English language. So I believe that um, any, 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 any country where English language is spoken, would be the right country for me. However, you know, we've got some other English language speaking countries like Australia, like United States, but they are not attractive to me because uh, we have the colonial tie. So uh, Nigeria was colonized by United Kingdom. So, and again, BBC and the Sky News, I, I listen to, so BBC was, BBC is one of my favorite uh, TV channels back in Nigeria. In fact, my family knows it. They dare not change the TV uh, station. Whenever I'm listening to Rose Atkin and uh, uh, Chris, I've forgotten the name on uh, the news, uh, the news uh, time, uh, eight o'clock on BBC. So it's, so, so all these are powerful effects on me. And again, why teaching ACCA also? I've got, I've, I met, so ACCA Nigeria invited lots of uh, what ACCA will call expert tutors to Nigeria to, to train us. So a uh, lot of people, lot of, so on my head, I could remember Rice, uh, Karen Rice came to Nigeria uh steve willis came to nigeria on the bill of acca and a couple john Playley from university from Oxford brooks university so these people came to nigeria to train us as tutors so and prior to coming to united kingdom acc also did a training in which uh some other tutors like ben wilson uh tom clendon they trained us so that that's that, that handshake. It's something I don't have such relationship with United States. I don't have such with Australia. So it's natural for me uh, to come to United Kingdom. So it's a natural. It's a natural decision. If I have to make that decision again, it will still be United Kingdom. Fantastic. And when you initially came over, you continued learning. I understand you're off to a graduation ceremony later this year. What what did you obtain when you, you first came to the UK? Okay, so I came in uh, to study for Masters in Accounting and Finance at uh, Manchester Metropolitan University, uh, which I completed uh, earlier this year. Um, it was a Masters in Accounting and Finance, and um, I met quite... Um, so again, most of my tutors were ACC members. Uh, so uh, I think uh, 
Miss Claire, who taught me one of the courses, is a, is a fellow of ICAEW, uh, but others were ICC members and we related very well and they were happy to relate with me on the basis of being ICC members as well. So, Coming to the United Kingdom is 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 a natural. Is is something that I'm happy to do. And if I have to make that decision again and again, it will be United Kingdom because of the ties. I've got so many ties with the United Kingdom. Fantastic. Well, congratulations on obtaining your master's degree, and I look forward to seeing pictures of the graduation ceremony that's coming up. But on the back of that, you then apply to First Intuition. And really just a big plug to anybody listening to this, First Intuition are always on the lookout for eager, energetic, passionate people to come and teach for us and with us. Blessings, you applied, you went through the process. Um, what, what would you say to anybody listening that thinks, I'd really like to give teaching a go? Wow. My experience at First Intuition has been just like you described me as that, oh, I, I, that am I an infectious personality? You know, meeting you on my first interview, the way you related with me as if we've met for ages, as if you've known me before, was, was something every time I think about it that, oh, this is a place prepared for me. So, and again, when I joined on January 9, and I met my colleagues in the tuition in, in the tutor in the in, in, uh, the tutors and marketing customer service the kind of support i've received and even from my students it's the most wonderful place without any iota of doubt first intuition cambridge is the most wonderful place i've ever worked in my adult life fantastic well, that, that's lovely to hear and we are a stronger team for having you on board as well blessing so the the, the love and respect is is mutual. I'm just looking at the time. We, we are past time. We could continue chatting, but I'm conscious other people will have things to do. Yeah. So um, I'm sure we will have you back. We'll certainly maybe look to put on a tax special episode of the podcast in, in future weeks. Um, but it falls on me to say thank you for joining us this evening, Blessing. Continue to smash through the, the classes. The feedback has been fantastic so far and you're making a real impression and a big difference to the students in, in the classes. So keep up the good work. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you, live studio audience. We've had live students on the session this evening. Thank you for joining. Thank you for popping comments and questions in the chat box. It's always much appreciated. Um, thank you for downloading the podcast. If you're a podcast listener, please continue to download. Go back and check out previous episodes share links with other people that you work with friends and family that you think would find the content interesting and i will speak to you again on another episode of the first intuition student forum podcast thank you very much thank you very much Jeff.